Hello. Kieran with Nick and Fiona. But it's so much worse. I would rather suffer through the racism. Welcome to the playlist where we talk about movies and TV shows that are worth your time. I'm Fiona Williams and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Bassine. Hey Nick, what are we talking about today? Fiona, today we're talking about the movie Us, horror slash family comedy from uh, oh. Jordan Peele. Well, at least I thought it seemed like a little bit like a family comedy. We're also talking about a new show on SBS, Project Blue Book. And we're talking about what we've been watching, as uh, per usual. But first, us. Can't believe how big they've got. Did you hear Gabe got a boat? Crawdaddy! <laughs> He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. Right, so Us is uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele, who wrote and directed Get Out. It's about a woman, Adelaide, who with her family goes back to a place where she was lost at one point for 15 minutes, but it was a very traumatizing experience. She's nervous about going back, and it turns out that she had reason to be upset and disturbed because uh, there are doppelgangers, duplicates, the tethered, haunting um, the area, basically. And she and her family come face to face with their exact replicas. Mm. They're coming to get you. That's the the premise. I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff going on that we can talk about. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, but that's the basic. That's basically what happens. It's like a scary counterpart. Yeah. Except I didn't find it all that scary. <laughs> but maybe we'll get to that too. I was pretty nervous going in because I, I don't like pop out and gory, scary movies. But you're right. I agree. I, I don't oh. I don't think this was that scary. Ah, oh, we're gonna agree, aren't we? We rare we, we don't argue about anything on we this show. To. We just agree. That we should call Thank this show the agree <laughs> the agreeing show. <laughs> the agreeable movie discussion How to get along. show. <laughs> all right. Lapita Nyongo is in this. She plays Adelaide, yeah. Adelaide and her. Tethered they all have names. Other, Did you red. notice how in the uh, like I didn't pick up anybody's names during the movie, but apparently yes. they've all got names. Yes. So Lapita plays the grown woman Adelaide, who, as a child, twenty three years ago in the eighties, eighty six, was at a theme park by the seaside in Santa Cruz, went into a hall of mirrors, and encountered more than a mirror. It was another version of herself. Her other. right. Yeah. Yes, and was suitably freaked out by that experience. So it, Jordan Peele, what I loved about Get Out, I thought that was managed to be scary and thrilling and funny and intelligent about America's horrendous past and present and complicated dealings with race. And I thought that was all wrapped up in an excellent film that straddled multiple genres. Yes. Agreed. I was hoping for the same with us. Coming off that kind of pedigree... He's so good at articulating really complicated theories and stories, and that's in here as well. So, like, you know, the idea of there's an us, obviously there's going to be a them, it's us versus them, you know, you're your own worst enemy kind of thing, and it's all about a divided America. So it's very much of its time, and there's a nasty underbelly, these simmering tensions. So that's all there. Like, you know, it's – I think the premise is really good – and I was there for it. As a horror film, it didn't work for me because I wasn't scared in the slightest. And the jumps, people around me were jumping, 
normally I do. Like I, I'm a sucker for like a cheap boo kind of thing and it normally gets me. But here I just didn't feel it. I was really aware of the music cues. Me too, well, yes. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Mm. And you shouldn't be. No. And there is a twist at the end that I could see coming a mile away, which makes me think, you know, I've seen that there's a lot of writing about this film. <laughs> that I'm really interested in all the theories and yeah. I'm loving that. And people do seem to have been taken by the twist and there's a lot of positive writing about this film. I'm not writing it off completely, but as a horror film, it didn't work as a horror film for me, but I really like the underlying kind of theories within it. What do you What do you mean by um, the the simmering uh, underbelly? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it might be getting a little too into the plot, but there's well, the opening slate of the film is that there are these tunnels across America, and no one really knows what they were built for or what's within them. And as They're the film abandoned. plays out, people yes, live yes, in them. Apparently, yes, apparently, there's this simmering resentment. You know when. Lapita and families, others show up, the tethered come. They're very resentful. They want their time in the sun. So it's kind of this literal haves and have-nots, like literally. Lapita and her family have the nice life, have the very middle-class college lifestyle, the house by the beach, the family who look exactly like them (laughs) and want what they have don't have that. So, yeah, there's a literal have and have-not kind of class divide story going on in this that is very relevant to the times in which we live but I didn't think that the story conveyed that well like that's a great premise but in the way it plays out in the story eh, it it didn't work for me I was racking my brain trying to come up with theories like that all right and either it's because of how well get out does it Mm. and now my like you said those are my those are expectations now that that this is going to function on a million levels and it's going to be super smart and uh, do everything but I, if whenever I came up with anything like that after mm. after the movie, I, I thought, well, I, I I didn't feel that at the end, you know, and I didn't that didn't resonate or or anything, and I, I felt like I wondered, am I are we giving this movie or trying to prescribe meaning to this movie when maybe it's just he just had the idea it's a horror movie, the bad guys look just like you, that's it, <laughs> it's creepy, that's it, because I I couldn't come up with any satisfying, although I kind of like the class thing, maybe mm. that sort of. That sort of works, except by the end, I'm not thinking about that really because of the twist, and I, it just isn't driven home, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, I found it to be kind of meaningless, and that was very disappointing, and I didn't care about that twist. I didn't think that twist is that interesting. And I have seen some of the theories about why different things are the way they are, and that's kind yeah. of fun, yeah. and I get it. Yeah, yeah. It makes for a lively conversation afterwards, certainly. Yes. Yeah, the drive home was quite fun, right. <laughs> you know, theorising all different things. But but also going down a story thread, but then going, well, hang on. If yeah. that happened, then no, 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 no. So yeah. there was a lot of that for me as well. So I don't think it very neatly articulated who are these people, where do they come from, you know, how. Yeah, so it's a. It's if a, that a, twist is real, then what happened with that thing? So there's a very great spoiler conversation to be had. So meet me offline if you <laughs> I don't can know. We not ha- can we I not mean, talk we can. About... You can skip ahead a bit if you want to, but because to me, it's government uh, experiment gone wrong. Is that the practical? It's never really articulated. I didn't think. No, I guess not. It's not explained how who built these tunnels. Yeah. Why are Why they, are they eating rabbits? There is a there is a very strong rabbit analogy. Well, they're literally in the film. Big year for rabbits. <laughs> 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 You've seen the favorite. Could well be the same rabbits. Oh, there's that's an animal right. trainer. 
putting the kids through college with all the rabbit work in movies at the moment. No, but no. anywho, there's a very strong references to the number 11. There's a biblical passage, Jeremiah 11, 11, oh, that comes yeah. through really right. strongly in the film. I believe says, uh, therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Yeah. So bad things so this are is the, and, and why? I don't know why. I'm not Jordan Peele. But, <laughs> um, it, but there's also lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of movie references within there. And that's clever. Like I think manage your expectations and you might not be all that scared, but it See, it's hard to write off completely because I enjoyed watching it and it's shot beautifully and yeah. the references are really good. What's, what, um, is, what are one of the a couple of references? Well, like, it opens in 1986 where child Adelaide is watching TV. There's an ad for the Hands Across America. Yeah. A momentous event. You're yeah, from America. You may remember that. Yeah. That plays a part throughout the wider film. But you see a lot of videotapes around the TV. Mm-hmm. There's um, Chud. Chud, exactly. I noticed that one. Yes, a reference to subterranean kind oh, of Oh, is that beings. what Chud yeah. is about? I've never seen it. Uh, the Goonies, likewise, has an underground oh, yeah. element. Also, there's a lot of references to The Shining, sort of like visual references, like you see the car driving through the wooded, those kind of helicopter shots, like what The Shining has. You see the family oh, right. going to their summer home. Good work. There's a thriller reference. There's a very much a Michael Jackson thriller reference, maybe more than one. Yep. And when she gets a thriller T-shirt, it goes, ooh. Yeah, yeah. There <laughs> in was light that. of recent uh, events. Yeah. But also it's in a horror movie, so maybe yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, I decided the more I think about it and the more I think Jordan Peele is a very exciting, entertaining, new, I guess you'd call him an auteur because he writes and directs, although I starting to think that stuff is overused and because uh, I think it's pretty entertaining. Mm. And what I really liked about it, what kept me in it, even though in the end I thought it was kind of hollow, was he's mixing these horror conventions with, like I said before, it's kind of a family comedy. Like there's jokes around. There's the the goofy dad and, um, and uh, uh, oh, your mother, yep, your mother got out of the car or uh, the name on the yacht is B-Yacht, just mm. soup. Silly stuff like that. Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss are very funny. And uh, I really liked that. So I, I was very- I thought it could have had more of that, though. I didn't oh. think it was all that funny. Like, I think the friend in Get Out was great comic relief. Mm-hmm. Like, he kept it alive because he was so incensed and shocked and scared and really had his friends back in that. Like, he was he was very energetic and lively as a funny foil to the weirdness of Get Out. Here I thought it tried for jokes, but it didn't. They didn't quite. There was a look from the very unimpressed teenage girl, subtle, but yeah, they didn't work for me. I don't know. Well, Mm. we are disagreeing. Oh, look, there you go. There you go. I liked. (laughs) I liked those jokes. I I really loved Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss, Mm. and I loved. um, Oh, when they're arguing about their kill counts. Yes, I like that. Yes, that was fun. Fair point. And I ended up. So I ended up feeling like here is a. Almost a rich man's M. Night Shyamalan. I know he's only done two movies, so we can hold off on on these kinds of judgments. But he's into the twisty stuff. He's into the horror stuff. But it's it's entertaining in a way that I think M. Night Shyamalan wants to be. Sure. Friend of the show, M. Night yeah, Shyamalan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, you know, it's I'm excited by the idea of him doing Twilight Zone because that's coming. That's his next project. Yep. And this is quite in, heavily influenced by a Twilight Zone episode from... Oh, you is know, it? The early days, yeah. Okay. Um, Mirror Image, with oh, yeah, a Vera yeah. Miles one, about your doppelganger living in the world and wanting to replace you. And there's sort of the final scenes kind of are a nod to that. 
But I think the what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to hear the but. I do think this just would have made a great Twilight Zone episode. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. So it's not. It's it's thin. Yeah, it's it thin. is thin. Yeah, it is. Yes, like the, there is it starts really well, and I'm there for it, and then ah, oh, sure. I admire it, but I didn't enjoy it, and I wasn't scared, and that's what a horror movie wants you to be. Okay. And what do you make of all this "quote unquote" elevated horror business? That phrase, um, elevator horror. <laughs> that's an M Night Shyamalan <laughs> movie. Um, I don't know. What, elevated what is it? What does horror. It mean? Well, what does it's, that mean? it's kind of a descriptor that some critics use, some writing to, like you use the word word auteur. It gives it a little elevated. Sense that it's better than it's not just horror. Saw. It's not just horror. Yeah. Anyway, there's a kind of a debate happening about this elevated horror um, name, which and Jordan Peele tweeted just a one tweet saying, "I made a horror movie because in some of the articles we're calling it elevated horror." So that kind of implies that horror movies in the past are not don't deal with serious subjects, yeah. don't have subtext, don't. Yeah. Which is not, not true. true. Not yeah. true. Right. So, <laughs> and George Romero is. Turning over in his grave because yeah, what yeah. is Night of the Living Dead if not yeah. a really intelligent story of communism and racism and all the, all the evils in the world? No, I think it just means it's, good. I think it's just you're adding layers and it's deep and, and it has some ideas in it. I think that's just good quality storytelling. Yeah. It's interesting because I've interviewed, not mentioning any names, some directors, and I'm not talking about friend of the show and not the line, I should point that out, but some directors who have made genre movies but are very quick to say they're not making a genre movie. like, And some Australian directors, I, I have to say. As if there's are, some shame in it. Well, a little, like, a, it's it's not just that. So it's uh, some, some directors are very quick to say it's hypothetically a zombie movie, but it's not just that. It's elevated, da-da-da. And, yeah. yeah, I find that a bit of a cheat. Like, if you make a genre movie, make a genre movie and make it for the fans of genre movies because they're, What's wrong with a good genre movie? Yes. Those are great. Yeah. So I have a bit of a beef with this whole elevated right, idea okay. because don't shit on the genre that you're kind of wanting to emulate you, if by you pretending end up, it's something more. Yeah. If you But if you end up making a very entertaining, good genre movie, I mean, that's an enormous that's great. feat. Yeah. yeah. Because if you are snooty about it, you're going to piss off the people who might otherwise have seen your film. Yeah. yeah and you also there's a segment of the audience who probably aren't inclined to watch it and you saying it's better than the average thing they're probably not going to watch isn't going to make them go and watch it, I don't yeah, think. Yeah. So it's just a curious marketing thing for me. Right. Anyway. I want to just quickly mention that one of, I don't even, if by pointing it out, I may, I'm making it a bigger deal than I, I, I want it to be. But when Jordan Peele was asked about how he's making his movies, what he likes about being called an auteur or, and what, what it means to him, he said, uh, I get to hire uh, black people in my movies. Yeah. And I thought, that was just tremendous because, I mean, obviously he's got a whole bunch of ideas in this movie mm. and I'm not getting probably any of them, maybe one or two. <laughs> so maybe race is involved in some way. But other, yeah. but to me, it felt like these are just, these are American families. Yeah. And we can just get used to seeing different kinds of people on screen without big pointers to it. And this is about this. Yeah. And so I think that Absolutely. going in this direction is tremendous. And that is tremendous that he's doing that. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another director would have been a white family with a doppelganger. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. they're not. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, on that level, absolutely. So Us is in theatres right now.
So next we come to uh, Project Blue Book, which is a new series on SBS and SBS On Demand. It's based on real UFO sightings and weird events that happened in the 50s. And uh, it stars Game of Thrones uh, actor Aidan Gillen. He plays a professor who joins the, well, he doesn't join the army, but he joins an army uh, pilot to try to rationalize why people have been seeing weird things, why the first episode is a pilot is basically in a, some kind of a dogfight with a UFO, and they try to figure out how did he experience this. The skeptical army guy thinks it's a, it's a weather balloon, and the professor is not so sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the professor is a real person. It's Oh, yeah, yeah. These are real people. Joseph Allen Hynek, who is well-known in uh, UFO circles in science. He, yes, quite renowned scientist. He actually invented the term close encounter. Have you seen close encounters of the third kind? I absolutely have. That's a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of a retro X-Files, if you will. So, yes, all set in the 50s, 60s. There's a lot of Cold War paranoia happening as well. There's some spies. There's men in black, Mm -hmm. strange men following people. And, yeah, there's general paranoia around. There's duck and cover. That's fear of, you know, nuclear war and strange sightings of UFOs. So a lot's going on and this is all within that kind of a mindset. So the professor... His wife is quite paranoid. Their son is doing duck and cover drills at school. He's been recruited by the army to go on these missions of which she knows naught because he's not allowed to say. And each week it follows a real case. So they investigate a sighting in, in various far-flung places in America. Project Blue Book is the, is the case files mm. that the government had that were recently released. Yes. They were under lock and key until very recently, and that's what the show is based on. So all of this stuff... All of this stuff really happened. Each week is one of these cases. And, you know, Professor Hynek was recruited with a view to debunking the sightings. Like it was assumed that he would find a scientific explanation, much like a weather balloon, to explain these mysterious goings on. Because, God forbid, in this paranoid world, little green men start popping up and that's just going to make the hysterical masses even more hysterical. So So that was the, the rationale behind recruiting him. So during this period, there was over 12,000 sightings. Around 700 remain unexplained to this day. Mm-hmm. Why during this period were there so many sightings and why aren't there more sightings now? That's how just, do you know? But how, you, wouldn't you hear about them? Well, yeah, why aren't we hearing we... about these things? What's going on? <laughs> That's just a kind of a side personal note. People are sighting are them. You're not looking in the right places, Nick. People are citing them, but they're... Are there subreddits? Are there subreddits that I need to be reading? I really can't speak with any authority on that. (laughs) I'm not at liberty to say. Let's just put it that way. So I I think it's safe to say that if you're into uh, alien uh, conspiracies, sightings, all of that sort of thing, this will will be your bag. I mean, the stories are are legitimately interesting. The premise is very interesting. They are. And there's also, you know, like a Mad Men kind of a lens to it. It's in the 50s. There's... um... Red lipstick. (laughs) Sure, there is red lipstick and hoop skirts, but there's kind of the family element as well on the home front while he's off investigating um, and there's strange things going on. So it straddles a few genres here and, um, yeah, Yeah. worth worth a look. So fans of Game of Thrones, uh, The Wire, the beginning of The Dark Knight Rises will recognize Aidan Gillen. I think he's great in all of that stuff. Uh, I think he's very good and... um, I actually got a chance to talk to him about uh, this show. Let's hear a little bit of it. Aiden, nice to meet you. My name's Nick. Hey, Jay. How's it going? 
Pretty good. Thanks for, for making the time. Yeah, pleasure. Fantastic. Are you into um, UFOs? Yeah, I mean, I was... I'm not like, like a, a nurse or anything like that, you know? I mean, I'm not like a, a pointy-head kind of tinfoil hat man or anything like that. No, that's a shame. But, you know, I've definitely... I find the subject interesting, entertaining, fun, and, you know, maybe something a little more to, you know... Right, right. I don't believe that we're alone in the universe. So it's, you know, it's nice to speculate as to what that might mean. We've been visited. I don't think we have. There are other interesting explanations for, you know, people seeing these things or thinking they see them or whatever. You know, it's not just about proving or disproving. It's a slightly, it's a bigger picture. And certainly the genre, or sorry, the, the era that we're, our show is set in. 1950s America, you know, so it was, had a lot of other potent factors. There was a combination of potent, you know, Cold War fears, post-war right. fears, optimism, technological advances, television emerging as mass media or arriving as mass media, which you know all contributed to the, I guess, fascination that this, these unidentified flying objects, were, which were being reported, suddenly left right center including like lots of very credible uh, reports, sightings, witnesses that wonder why why would you come forward with that if you really didn't mean it? Because you're a professional pilot or uh, air traffic controller and now you're potentially going to be ridiculed. So yeah, interesting world. Have you ever been to uh, Roswell, New Mexico? I have not been to Roswell. <laughs> That's in New Mexico. Um, I've never made it to Roswell. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. Well, Aiden, thank you so much for for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck with the show and the rest of the promotion. Okay. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks. Take it easy. Thanks. See you. Bye. So that was just a taste of uh, Aiden Gillen. Um, You can read the entire interview at sbs.com.au slash guide. And you can watch Project Blue Book on SBS every Thursday at 8.30 and catch up at SBS On Demand. So now we come to the part of the show where we talk about what we've been watching in our own time. Fiona, what have you been watching? <laughs> Off the clock. Yeah. Uh, I watched Hollow Man. The Kevin Bacon movie. Yeah. From oh. the 90s. Wait, is it Verhoeven? Yes. Paul oh. Verhoeven. Yeah. I don't know. There's not a lot to say, really. It, uh, what is the premise? Well, he's a scientist, mad genius, and they're formulating a, a formula. <laughs> What? To be invisible. So basically it's an invisible man story. And then he uses these powers inexplicably. You could do anything when you're invisible, but he just goes to spy on his ex girlfriend and horrendously rape his neighbor. Oh. So yeah. That's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Um Is Kira Sedgwick in it? No, it's Elizabeth Shue. No. As said ex girlfriend. Yeah. Just one of those ones where, you know, you have these incredible powers. And that's what you're going to go do. <laughs> anyway, it's very much of its time. I had quite fun watching it and slagging it off as I was watching it. Right, okay. um, yeah, I just was a lazy, rainy weekend kind of movie. That mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, so the, that right, okay. <laughs> was what I was watching. Yeah. But also, coincidentally, prior to watching us, I watched Room 237, the documentary about all the theories about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Right. Which I love it. Every time I watch it, it's 
hilarious and riveting and quite convincing. Some of the theories that what are of, some of those theories? Because I'm not familiar with them. Okay, uh, so it goes deep into the theories people have that exist about The Shining because it can be interpreted in many many ways. So one theory is obsessed with the idea that um, Stanley Kubrick was involved in faking the moon landing. Oh right, okay. Yeah, and so. Um, <laughs> Like for instance, one of the tells, according to this theory, is when Danny stands up and he's in an Apollo jumper, oh. like a very incredibly seventies knit jumper, <laughs> and that's there are various. He's plays with spaceships, and it's that's the tell. There's another one about um, it's very obsessed with hedge maze. <laughs> it goes deep in that. There's an interesting one about um, the genocide of Native Americans, and it's. Quite convincing when you're watching that one. And there, there's multiple theories, some of them quite laughable, some of them, hmm, seeing that film in a whole new light. So that's Rodney Ash's film from a few years ago now. But uh, yeah, very well I heard worth about a watch. It. I wanted to see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you absolutely should. And it's interesting in the week we're talking about us because I can imagine a similar documentary about us and about its. Yeah, right. The various theories being posited in that. I mean, go on to Reddit and see some of the theories about us. I don't think us holds up. To the Shining in, in the same way, but I do think it, you know, sparks interesting theories. Anyway, what have you been watching? So I um, went to see uh, Dumbo. Huh. I had uh, went to a screening. They put a little um, lifelike Dumbo outside the uh, movie theater, oh. and people were taking pictures of it. It was it was uh, delightful. Dumbo is, of course, Disney's remake of its own cartoon from the forties about an elephant that can fly, and it's it's directed by Tim Burton. Mm. So there are lots of Tim Burton flourishes. I didn't check if Danny Elfman did the score, but uh, it sounds very much like a Danny Elfman score, <laughs> uh, like a lot of his movies, maybe all of them at this point. I thought that this, um, this stunk. Um... I was very let down on a lot of levels. I think that that 1941 cartoon, uh, it's 62 minutes or something, and um, if you put aside like lots of cartoons from the time, some of the racism and some mm. of the uh, other uncomfortable uh, bits. It is an extraordinarily powerful movie. The way that they make you uh, feel for this uh, outcast elephant, because he's got the big ears, so he's trodden upon, and his mother is put in prison, and their relationship is amazing. It's just so beautifully done. And then, of course, when he learns how to fly... And smite his enemies. Uh, it's probably one of the most satisfying movie uh, experiences I've ever had. And this, because they got to make it a feature, they gotta <laughs> they add so much to it, and all of it stinks. You don't care about any of these characters. None of the real life, like the kids. There's kids, and it becomes their story. And I <laughs> I couldn't care less. I wish maybe they needed to make the animals talk or something because I wanted it to be only about Dumbo and what he wanted. And um, his desire to reconnect with his mother and all of that. And is it more Dumbo enables the children to yeah. discover themselves kind of thing? He's more the agent. Yeah. And they, them. I mean, they help each other mm. and it's still, it looks great. I mean, it's beautiful and, and it's got a, a bunch of fun Tim Burton weirdness. Colin Farrell stuff? Is that Colin right? Colin Farrell. I didn't care for his character or his performance. Uh, and even the kids. I found the kids a little bit irritating. But Eva Green. Yeah, there's just nothing to anybody. Even uh, Michael Keaton mm. kind of, he's just kind of phoning it in. I don't think he cares that much. So they leave out Dumbo getting drunk. And I get it. You can't have a kid's movie these days with an elephant getting drunk. 
So the pink elephants sequence that mm. is adapted weirdly, the mouse is gone, and yeah, it just doesn't leave you anything to feel really. I presume it's made for audiences who haven't seen the original. Like kids today I would guess, not have seen the earlier. Yeah, like I guess all of so. the remakes are kind of discovered this one. <laughs> so yeah, what are you, what are we to do with these things? Because all of these li- Disney live action remakes, I think they look bad. Like that Aladdin, Aladdin looks like trouble. There was another one, wasn't there? Oh, there was the Mary Poppins, which you had a similar opinion of. Yeah, that, I didn't, I didn't like. I didn't care for that. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it's just I can't unwatch those the original cartoons that everybody yeah. loves. You know what? What are we supposed to do with this stuff? You can't help but compare it. Yeah, no, no. If you've seen the original, of course you're going to compare it. Yeah, but I do think these Disney is remaking all of its classic animated movies because it's a generation or a couple of generations in some cases since those movies and they're not really readily available anymore, certainly on streaming services. No one's really looking up the old Dumbo. Oh, except on Disney's new streaming service. Sure, but, you know, this is a chance to yeah. redo all its properties. So, But it's it- so much worse. I would rather, this is a little weird to say, but I would rather suffer through the racism and anachronistic stuff and weep when the mother's trunk is reaching out of the jail cell to cradle her baby. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And they tried to do it again, and it's just not its not even close. Did you take your kids? Yeah. The, the three-year-old wanted to leave almost immediately. <laughs> he doesn't have time for anything except for Paw Patrol. The eight-year-old was into it. They even interviewed him afterwards, right. asked him what he liked about it. He said, uh, Dumbo flies and... Mm. He was into it. He, he's becoming very easy to please. We have to talk to him about standards, <laughs> be his, uh, being more discerning. Ask him to rate them every time. Yeah. Assign get, numbers to them. He started a movie journal. Aye. But he's giving everything five stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, to be so happy. <laughs> yes. To be so uh, easily entertained. Um, so uh, Dumbo uh, is in theaters now. Well, that's it for our show. Depending on whatever uh, app you're using to uh, listen to the podcast, make sure you uh, have subscribed to SBS The Playlist. Leave a review, uh, some stars. It uh, helps people find the show. We should get your son to rate it. Yeah. <laughs> five stars for everything. Yeah, five star, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant analysis. Five stars. <laughs> if you want to get in touch, we're at SBS Movies on Facebook and Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Nick Bassine. I'm on Twitter at Anything But Fifi. The playlist is produced by Jeremy Wilmot. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.